Luke 8, and we're reading verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not understand. And this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I think most people probably enjoy gardening. Most people enjoy spending time out in the yard growing things. If you turn on your television, you'll find friendly gardeners all over the place uh, with a whole range of different TV shows. Did you notice that all the people in those photos are actually smiling? Smiling's not something I normally associate with gardening. Well, not personally, anyway. Uh, I could think of a lot better things to do with my time. But growing things seems to be something that everybody can relate to. People from rural communities can obviously relate to it, but even inner city dwellers know about growing things. So I suppose it comes as no surprise that growing things is a big theme for Jesus in the parables that he tells. He told the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the weeds. He told a couple of parables about vineyards. He told a few parables about planting seeds and parables about fig trees as well. 
Almost a quarter of the parables that Jesus told involved gardening or farming or growing things. And growing things is at the heart of this parable that we're looking at today, what we call the parable of the sower. Uh, Luke tells us right there at the beginning of chapter 8, if you've got a Bible, it's that very first verse. He says that Jesus is going from town to town and he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. In a way, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's telling people that the kingdom of God has come. He's telling people how it is that they can actually enter into the kingdom, how they can have a relationship with God. Now, there doesn't appear to be anything that's led to this parable being told. With most of the parables of Jesus, there's some event or some conversation that's taken place that leads Jesus to tell the parable, but not so with this one. But what makes this parable distinctive is that in all of the Gospels, it's the first parable. This seems to have been the first parable that Jesus told. John's Gospel doesn't have any of the parables in there, but Matthew, Mark and Luke all put this as the first parable Jesus told and the parable that kind of kicks off Jesus' ministry. See, in a way, this is the parable that actually explains parables. This is the parable that explains what's going to happen when people start preaching and teaching about the kingdom. So let's run through the parable, though. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. Back in Jesus' day, planting things was done by hand. They clearly didn't have the machinery to be able to do things. So it's not uncommon for a little bit of grain to be landing in sort of the wrong places as the sower is out there doing it. And we're told about grain that lands on four different types of ground. Some fell on the path, and this is either trampled underfoot or gets eaten by the birds. It just doesn't even take root. Then there's some that falls on the rocky ground, uh, but there's nothing there for it to grow in. So even though it starts growing, it doesn't grow for very long. Some falls among the thorns. It took off, it started growing, but similarly to the rock, uh, it ends up being choked out by the weeds. And then we come to the, to the seed that's landed on the good soil, the one that thrives, the one that takes root, the one that grew really well and made it to harvest time. In fact, the seed's given a pretty incredible return, 100 times for what was sown. So that's the parable. Four types of soil on which the seeds have landed. But Jesus isn't giving us a, a lesson on gardening, and nor is he telling us the best way to get a good return on your investment for farming. It's a lesson about the kingdom. It's a lesson about the kind of responses there will be to this message of the kingdom. Now, while the parable itself is pretty simple and pretty basic, an easy story to understand, what Jesus, has, what Jesus says immediately after the parable, well, it seems to be a little bit more cryptic. Have a look at it. Verse 9, just after he's told the parable, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, "'The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom "'has been given to you,' But to others, I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see. And though hearing, they may not understand. Now, does that sound a bit strange to anyone else? I mean, is Jesus saying that he's going to teach in parables so people won't understand what he's talking about? 
Is he saying he's going to speak in parables so that people won't believe what he's saying? I mean, that kind of sounds like the opposite of what he should be saying, doesn't it? I mean, shouldn't he be saying that he's going to teach in the clearest of all possible ways so that everybody can understand and everybody can believe? But what Jesus is actually doing here is quoting a passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. And when you understand the context of the quote, you get a better idea about what Jesus means here. It comes from Isaiah chapter 6, and it's a really dramatic chapter right at the beginning of the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah's given this vision of God sitting on the throne in heaven and there's all the stuff that you would imagine happening around God and God's trying to decide who he's going to send as a messenger to Israel. Uh, This is what the passage says. And I heard a voice, that's Isaiah speaking, of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. He said, Go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now again, it seems like a strange thing that God is doing here. Isaiah volunteers to go and preach to Israel But God says the people aren't going to listen. In fact, God's whole point in sending Isaiah is to confirm the hard-heartedness of the people. Isaiah will preach, but people won't respond. And their failure to respond will just confirm their hard-heartedness. Over the last few months, we've been watching the circus that is North Korea and Kim Jong-un has been broadcasting to the world that he's developing nuclear missiles, can't manage to feed his own people, but he's managing to develop nuclear missiles that will be able to reach the United States. I think we've lost count of how many times the UN has now imposed sanctions on North Korea for what they've done. And I think that everybody knows that Kim Jong-un isn't listening to anything that the West or the UN says. When the US imposes sanctions or issues statements, North Korea is not listening. But if there's to be firmer action taken at some time in the future, the UN needs to be able to say, well, we gave them this warning and this warning and this warning and this warning. And in a way, I think that's what Isaiah is being called to do. God knows that they're not going to listen to Isaiah, but Isaiah's preaching is going to confirm just how hard-hearted Israel are. And Jesus says that that will be the response to his preaching as well. It's not that people won't understand, it's not that the intellectual capacity is not there and that stops them from responding, it's their hardness of heart that prevents them from responding. And that's exactly what we see in the Gospels, isn't it? The very people who should have been ready to listen to Jesus, the very people who were waiting for the Messiah to come, well, they're the ones who refuse to listen to him. And ultimately, they're the ones who call for him to be put to death on a cross. But did you notice the other side of the coin? Have a look at verse 9 again. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given 
to you. The parables are a demonstration of God's justice, but they're also a demonstration of God's grace. There are those who do understand the parables. There are those who do accept the message that Jesus preaches. There are those who do respond to that message, but only those that God enables to respond. Now, if you're sitting here today as someone who's responded to that message that Jesus is king, then make sure that you keep thanking God for enabling you to do that. Don't get the wrong idea. Don't think that you were the one who was clever enough to understand it or it was some brilliance on your part that saw the truth of who Jesus was. Now, the only reason that you can respond to Jesus as king is because God has enabled you to do that. So you should be continually thanking him for that. But let's get back to the parable. Jesus gives this explanation of the parable to his disciples. Doesn't leave us guessing as to what he's trying to say. He actually tells us exactly. He says that the seed that's being scattered, that's the word of God. That's the gospel. That's the message that's preached. That's the message that people hear. That's the message that people respond to. And there are four responses to that message. The first is the seed that falls upon the path. This is those who, perhaps because the devil stands in the way, don't even believe it for a moment. They just reject this message out of hand. Second, there are those where it lands on the rocky ground. It sort of takes off initially, but it doesn't take root. And we're told that when testing comes, well, it gives up and dies. Third response is the thorny ground. They hear, the, they hear and respond to the message, but somewhere down the track, the pressures and the worries of life start to crowd in and they decide to give up on Jesus, give up on that relationship with God. I heard about a Christian friend a few years ago who'd worked as a minister in a church for quite a number of years, but for a variety of reasons ended up back in uh, the IT world. Um, and that wasn't a problem, that was, that was fine. The problem started when the business went really well, like incredibly well. He was bringing in loads of money through this particular piece of software that he'd invented. You know what it was? His Christian life was choked out by life's riches and pleasures, just like Jesus says here. Thorny ground, choked out by life's riches and pleasures. It wasn't that the business went badly, it was the the fact that the business went really, really well. Finally, there's the fourth soil, the good soil. It's those who hear the good news, hear this message of Jesus and respond, and they respond and take root. Unlike the thorny ground, they continue to grow. They're productive and they produce a hundred times more. Well, that's the explanation of the parable. But the next question's got to be, so why is Jesus telling his disciples this? What's the point for them? Well, I think the answer falls into two parts. I think Jesus wants his disciples and us to think about our response to that message of the gospel. But also, he wants to get his disciples and us to be aware of what happens when we preach the good news about Jesus. 
when you hear what Jesus says in this parable, you can't help but ask yourself, well, which one am I? There's four soils described here. Which one am I? There are four possible responses, ranging from not even believing for a moment right through to bearing fruit. But really, in the end, there's just three wrong responses and one right response, isn't there? seed that fell on the rocky ground and the seed that fell on the thorns, they made some kind of response, but in the end it's not the right response because they don't press on. They don't bear fruit. So you've got to ask yourself the question, so which ground am I? Am I the one that's pressing on? Am I the one that's bearing fruit? I'm sure that Jesus is expecting we're going to be asking ourselves that question when we hear this parable. But I think the application goes one step further than that. I think Jesus is talking to his disciples and us about the kind of response that we will encounter when we start to talk to people about Jesus. The kind of response that people will have to the message that we preach. So if you're someone who has your trust in Jesus, you will be involved in sowing that seed. Sowing the seed was what the disciples were going to be doing. If you've got your Bible open there, have a look at chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 8 and verse number 1. I'll show you just something interesting here. Chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and one village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus starts his ministry proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. But turn over to the next chapter, chapter 9, verse number 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure illness, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then go to the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 10, verse number 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Do you see the growing nature of this ministry? Jesus kicks it off. He's the one who begins preaching this good news about the kingdom. Then the 12 are involved and then there's 72 that are involved, sent out to preach that good news. So I'm sure that this parable, right at the beginning of all of this, is to help them to be aware that there will be different responses to the message that you preach. There will be those who will reject the message outright. There will be those who will seem to make some kind of response, at least for a short time. And there will be those who bear fruit, who keep pressing on. And I think Jesus is saying... Don't be discouraged by those three responses that aren't really responses at all. We should know that that's probably going to happen. But what we need to do is keep sowing the seed. Jesus has called us to join with him in taking that good news of the kingdom to the world that we live in. Our job is to plant the seed. It will be God who will make the seed grow. It will be God who enables people to understand about the kingdom. I remember speaking to an American missionary a couple of years ago uh, who'd been working with a small group in Tibet. He was living in Nepal, but, but had been working for 14 years with this small tribal group in Tibet. 
He spent six years learning the language, documenting it, and trying to understand the life and the culture of these people. He spent the next six years working among these people, seeking to explain the good news of Jesus to them. They'd done all of that for 12 years and not one person had become a Christian. Finally, he was told by the Maoists that he and his wife and family could no longer work in that area, that they were not welcome there anymore and if they were found there again, then they would be arrested and put into jail. But it was only after he was banned from working in that area that they started to see people who came to faith in Jesus. He'd sown the seed for years and years without any response. Now he's translating the Bible into their language so that they can be taught the Bible. Twelve years of sowing without any response. Do you reckon you might have felt like pulling the pin on that? maybe a little earlier than 12 years? I mean, there must have been plenty of times when they just thought, why are we doing this? There must have been plenty of times when they wondered why they were there. But what they did was kept remembering what their role was, to plant the seed. My guess is it might be similar for you. It can sometimes be a little bit disappointing talking to people about Jesus. I mean, there are those people who are just going to reject it and say, sorry, not interested. I had that conversation with someone fairly recently. Got it all wrong, not at all interested. It can be hard when you've tried to share your faith with family and friends, but there's no response. Well, we need to keep remembering our role. It's to plant the seed. Our role is to keep sowing God's word into people's lives. Our role is to keep telling people the good news about Jesus. And then we pray and we trust that God will do his work of making that seed grow. And we need to keep keep going. We need to persevere, just like the fourth ground in this parable. And we need to continue planting seed. For that missionary in Nepal, it was a very remote group of people in a very remote country. But for you and me, it's going to be planting that seed among family and friends and neighbours and workmates and playtime mums and scripture classes and all of the places that we find ourselves with that opportunity to talk to people about the faith that we have, what it is that we believe that we wish they would believe as well.